0: Not uh, financial. Of, of, of
1: not finance. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure our CEO is Professor Storm because we all know how he feels about uh, security.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Um, yeah, because I, <laughs> I, I'm now working for the worst film of the summer. It sounds about right. One, one of the worst films of the summer. It's no pixels.
0: Yeah, I've heard something else was pretty t- terrible. Um, when I. Uh, when, I don't know recently something that came out was like oh uh American Ultra, oh I hear it got slammed yeah
1: really okay because I heard I mean the the, the things that, the reviews that I heard said it was uh, not bad um, Kristen Stewart like had like um, acted which is rare
0: I hear the the man from uncle is, uh, is I was actually is decent.
1: I, I, I was going to talk a little bit about The Man From U.N.C.L.E. Oh, did you go see it? Today. Yeah, I went and saw oh, it.
0: Cool, cool.
1: Uh, we should probably introduce ourselves in case you've forgotten. In case we, they've forgotten. They've all forgotten about us. Good they evening. They downloaded
0: the fucking podcast. Good
1: evening, those people. I don't know. Maybe, you know.
0: I think you mean that guy.
1: That guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good evening to the Fat Jew, who uh, was just rebroadcasting this as the Fat Jew cast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome to another exciting episode of The Cult of Popture, episode 57. 57 i feel like it should be an all uh, condiment 19 focused. yeah <laughs> we'll be discussing ketchup
0: uh yeah, yeah. did not and, step uh, on
1: your joke worcestershire worcestershire worcester depending on how you you uh, what part uh, of the country you're from yeah or which country you're from yeah yeah um do they do anything else
0: they do, well, obviously the Heinz 57, right. uh, which is, uh, you know, it's kind
1: of their A1, but it's a blend of 57 spices and herbs. Right. I can't about. name 57 spices and herbs. I don't know
0: that there are 57 I mean, the Colonel sp- only
1: yeah. has seven secret herbs and spices. I think they
0: just made up some of those, like Redson, you know, like it's just, it's not a real thing.
1: <laughs> what the fuck is Redson? I know what Redson is. Well, well, oh, it's a drop is, of it, It's yeah. vegetable oil. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> How does that help your breath out? It doesn't. Oh man, they, I don't think they ever did. It just, it's just—it's a refreshing drop of retsin. Yeah. It's yeah like, just so why? Drop. why does I've that seen the you? animatic
0: yeah. where you know it coats the entirety of the of the. Uh, we certs. didn't
1: say it would help you, but it won't hurt you. How great really?
0: was advertising? There's a really good article on um, many many years ago in like an Ad Age or Advertising Week, one of those, and it talks about how in the in the '60s and '50s they uh, Wrigley's had a slogan that was like that great artificial flavor. Cause like the, inno- <laughs> the innovative, you know, uh, ness, I guess, or the inventiveness of, of, uh, you know, food companies, you know, big, you know, like general mills. And right. ones, they were, you know, being that kind of innovative, you know, making this all artificial, like it's not fl- Fisher and it's not flavored with, spearmint, like it's an artificial spearmint, was all, that was all the that was a selling point you know. Well,
1: I, I read I, I read a great article uh, on the internet somewhere. Uh, yeah, go just go look on the internet somewhere. Yeah, just for, uh, internet. It was basically the war between um, butter and margarine mm-hmm. when um, you know when margarine was first created and the mm-hmm. butter people just were the butter people. What do you mean? <laughs> but, yeah, are uh, just you know coming up with everything short of uh, you know margarine will cause miscarriages and such. But it was yeah. just slander and lies and
0: Yeah, I the I remember the uh, Imperial Margarine commercials, you know. The,
1: the the crown? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, when uh, but it's funny how we've come around like, you know, the uh, natural kind of comes in with like the 70s, you know. I want right. to say like late 60s, 70s and and now uh, you know, we're definitely Well, now
1: we have to specify our natural as organic or non-GMO. But or... then
0: the yeah, but then the 80s were just all about what this Again, it was about innovation. you know It's, it's uh, that Michael Chavon thing where you talk about how we stop thinking about the future. you know, like when we were when we were kids, you know, it was all about space stations and you know travel to mars and and uh, now it's like about, oh uh, organic farming at home and you know backyard composting, right. and It's like we've taken the step backwards and technological focus. I think because our technology is so integrated into everything
1: that we do. Well, and I yeah. mean, well, it's all cyclical, and I mean, we can see that, and, you know, that's why, one of the reasons why um, the uh, the LP revolution mm-hmm. is coming is that, you know, music has become so advanced, and, and you know, since most, most people don't even, or a lot of people don't even have physical product anymore, they just Spotify, or they buy their yeah, tunes yeah. Uh, virtually in the cloud, so the LPs are just kind of a... You know, a throwback is I want to own something. I don't want it to be ones and zeros. I want it to be actual music that I can scratch into form.
0: Yeah, because books have been obsolete for a good decade and a half now. You know, but still books are sold because people right. like. But them I mean, up, books
1: yeah. will never come back because uh, reading.
0: Yeah, exactly. That just requires you know. But listening is pretty passive. But I mean, so you
1: anyway. know, if you need some good kindling. I, or I think something. it's. Uh,
0: I think it's cyclical, cool just in generations. I think one generation is. Um, is just complacent with the ubiquitous nature of the technologies that they're born into. And, and then, that
1: generation is Generation X.
0: Absolutely. And then the millennials are just see the potential uh, because it's completely integrated in. You know, because we lived in a time when, you know, we didn't have the web and we didn't right. have cell phones and we and all of this stuff. So all of it is is new and fits into our lives, but we tend to use it like the the updated version of the old thing that it is. You know what I mean? Like we, we use our phones as just phones we can take everywhere and we, you know, as opposed to you know, millennial who just sees the, like, oh, it takes pictures? Well, video? Well, fuck, let's make, a, you know, a movie on our cell phone, you know? And, right. And, uh, I, I think that um, because we weren't born into it, we don't see the potential of it as much as someone who, who it's, uh, you know, and the ubiquitous nature of it kind of blinds us to it. And, well, I think
1: there's also the uh, the boom and bust cycle. I yeah, mean, there is yeah. a generation that, that you know, in, that grew up in the 90s where... You know, two kids in their dorms could come up with a computer program and make a, b- a bazillion dollars. Or, yeah, and several two kids in their dorms did. We all remember Yahoo, right? Yeah, we remember Napster. But, and then Friends,
0: Napster, right? Yeah, Napster, Napster okay.
1: Friendster, all of that's uh, Stirs G- all the Stirs, Donsters, yeah. Donsters, Donsters yeah. for uh, Sporks. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. Spork, well, spork. Com. I wonder spork. who owns that. Um, I mean, I, somebody has to. Somebody has to. The, the I heard
0: somewhere that like all the. All the one, or wait, is it one, two, three, four, five, six-letter domain names. Like, all possible combinations have been taken now. Probably. I think we're up to, like, seven- and eight-letter combinations, you know. That's why everyone has a, a shitty domain name. I always, you know, when it's, like, clowns.com, I'm like, whoa, you got in
1: early. Early right. adopter. Well, there was a, a story of uh, there was a guy who got onto Twitter really early and just had N as mm. his Twitter handle. And you know he was offered like upwards of fifty grand for somebody who wanted N, and then eventually hackers just took it from him. Yeah, that because happens. hackers be hacking. Because
0: hackers be hacking. Um, oh man, that reminds me. And I really, I sh- I'll say this on the air because it's horrible, but I don't yeah. want to put it in, on the internet for people to react to. Someone, I think a mutual friend of ours was lamenting that um, this National Women's Day is being uh, overshadowed by it being National Dog National Day, do- right?
1: And I really wanted
0: just to put. Yeah, bitches be trippin'.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I celebrated National Dog Day. Oh, really, uh,
0: you're going to blow right past that brilliant fucking joke?
1: N- nothing more needed to be said. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, that but I, that I, is I, untaggable. I
0: thought uh, I thought, I thought, putting that, committing that to, to pixels on the internet wasn't the wasn't, uh, ones and zeros. wasn't a good idea. I'd, I'd get uh, berated.
1: I, I celebrated National Dog Day by... Um, Eating know, a hot dog? Uh, no, posting uh, the IMDb link to Dog Day Afternoon. Nice. Although I posted it in the morning because too Um, soon.
0: Oh, speaking of posting it in the morning, I I, uh, had some weirdness go on in my life recently. Yesterday, Uh actually, as a matter of fact. Hey, Jay,
1: what's going on in your life? No,
0: uh, so um, a couple days ago, like two days ago, uh, a friend of mine posted um, this link to the uh, Wired article about the NASA logo. Okay. uh, And within that, there was a link to the NASA style guide. When they rebranded with that new, what they affectionately known as the Worm logo, it's the NASA of our youth, the, right. the curvy letters, and uh, and I just love old style guides because you know, um, you know, people didn't have a lot of understanding of, or they didn't have the ability to change fonts and that, you know what I mean? Like, so you really had to spell everything out for them. But but you had
1: to get a whole new set of blocks to put. Yeah, on yeah the I mean, the really, it was, it was.
0: It had like you know, some of them, you know. Um, some of them were really expansive where they had entire pages just to the one letter where they talked about the features of of each of those because a lot of these are custom fonts that were created just for these companies. And so the NASA one is great. And so that sent me down a rabbit hole of like, oh, I love these old up until about the 80s, you know, maybe the 90s style guides. So they used to come out It's part of a thing that I do. Like I, right. I make style guides they are typically one or two sheets these days. My usage guides are, you know, maybe four at the most. Um, just because everybody understands fonts these days and that sort of thing. And, and we just generally just pick a font. We're like, um, yeah, hey, just make ev- sure... That,
1: everybody else understands Well, you fonts. know, it's like,
0: make sure you download Garamond. And we're only using Garamond. You know, so in, only use bold in this form. Only use italic when you're subheading, blah, blah, blah. It's, um, you know, it's it's a thing that... I, but I love putting those together because it really fleshes out the brand. And if people stick with them, it really creates a cohesive branding that you get, not only in, like, the logo and the wherever you put the logo always, but... Also in, in the font usage and the, the, the lead, you know, letting, the, the line spacing, the paragraph breaks, everything's always, you know, justified left. It really creates a brand for everything. And I like, I love how flush out those are. So uh, famously, Massimo Vignelli, who there's a great documentary on Netflix about, um, uh, it's, it's, it's got the word design in it. And Massimo Vignelli is also in the name of the title. Look it up. You won't be dis- disappointed. He did the rebrand of. Um,
1: That's almost as uh, precise as saying somewhere on the internet. Yeah,
0: yeah. He uh, he did a really good rebrand of the New York uh, Transit Authority, like the subway systems and stuff. The circles with the cut co- different. Oh, okay. Colors I and, remember those. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it's the it's it's all Helvetica. It's, it's the color palette is really subdued and simple. Like it's just it is such a exercise in restraint, and it's 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 glorious, you know. And then uh, so I'm looking at these uh, some of the other um, better branding things, and I remembered I'm like, oh, you know. DC Comics had that really cool uh, style guide from like the, the right. early '80s that uh, Jose Luis Garcia uh, Gar- yeah, yeah uh, Garcia, Lopez. Gar- Garcia Lopez did, uh, and so I, I looked that up, and it turned out that um, there's a Jose Luis Garcia Lopez fan page.
1: Of course, there is that
0: had posted the entirety of that. Of that uh, style guide, yeah, I
1: saw that you you reposted yeah, yeah. that on Facebook, and I said, so, uh, "That's not gonna, I'm not gonna understand that."
0: Yeah, no, it's what's well, great. The, it's just all character, and it's all turnarounds on everybody. So it, so most style guides are like your logo and your font and the colors and stuff. So this is all the characters turned around. Here's how the back of Batman's belt looks. If you, if you should ever not have the cape in a way, here's what his back looks like. Here's how the trunks fit. Here's you know, here's the color that all these things are. Uh, I think there's a little bit of logo usage. It's a it's, it's really I mean, when
1: you say are they actually giving the precise like the hexadecimal or the RGB values um, of the colors, uh, Pantone
0: or? and CMYK break, breakdowns. Because okay. RGB was less important unless it was breakdown unless right. it was broadcast. RGB is,
1: is, yeah, I, okay, I understand. RGB is
0: additive light theory. It's when you broadcast something. It's on a screen, right. essentially. Yeah, CMYK
1: is print. It's print, exactly. I and do so, actually know that.
0: Uh, yeah, and, and so there were no hexadecimals because we're not putting stuff on the web, and that's that's a, a web in, encoding. Um, and even bro- broadcast wasn't digital enough where you just filmed the stuff. I mean, it was you were basically telling your animation cell painters what to paint them, and then it would get shot on a, on a camera at, on a, uh,
1: so I mean, so th- were, were there actual? I mean, I understand not hexadecimal, but were yeah. there actual numeric values?
0: There's PMS numbers, which was the Pantone matching system, which has okay. been around for quite a while, which is kind of a, uh, and then also the CMYK Oh, Was that fairly...
1: what that PMS is that people yeah. keep complaining about? That's that's the good Happy PMS. Happy National Women's Day.
0: Yeah. No, that's the good PMS. The good not
1: PMS. The
0: <laughs> um, so I, I just, can we
1: can we title the, the episode the good PMS? We
0: definitely should. I think we it's you know, it behooves us to. But um, so the 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 entire several you know maybe a couple hundred pages is is up on this fan page, and they posted it in like 2011. So I posted it early in the morning. I was like, God, I love this thing for so many reasons because it, it tickles my fancy. Uh, Cause uh, Jose Luis uh Garcia Lopez is, is fucking isn't amazing. He's great. He's got that he's that bridge between like Kurt Swan and George um Perez. You know what I mean? Like he's not quite Perez, but he's not quite as true you know, but he's very traditional. So
1: you're saying it was like a mulatto?
0: Kinda. He's he's very um traditional comic book style. Am I
1: allowed to say mulatto? I don't know. Can you say mulatto on I mean, the internet? you
0: can't say mulatto for sure. <laughs> um it,
1: so you're calling him the M word?
0: No, I'm definitely not.
1: Um but uh
0: the, the I mean in the art style, all of the the poses, everything are just just spot on and the quantity of all the stuff that he did, just these head turnarounds. So you'll have you'll have like a full body Batman, you know, back, front, three quarter. You'll have his head like at you know, various stages of turned around, various expressions. Uh, you know, here's here's, you know, Batman has a cleft finish chin, Superman doesn't, or what I mean, just and it's all there for you to see the the graphic standard for all of this. And it's just a great time capsule of DC in the early '80s, pre-crisis DC, right? Um, you know, and it's uh, you know pre-New 52 DC, obviously. It, it's a, it's all laid out in a way that is very appealing to me because it's a graphic standards manual. So, so it's a really great, uh, just you know, thing to have on there. And so I, I put, I posted it, and I was sorting through it and stuff, and I was looking at it. And as I'm kind of looking at it, uh, I see like a bunch of likes that I get, and then I see a bunch of my friends are also posting it, uh, not sharing mine, but just reposting it. Right. Like uh, Brian Miller, the colorist, did. Uh, Pat Loika did. Uh, just all of these people who are friends of mine in the industry, like Phil Jimenez, and then um,
1: oh, and hey, then I uh, drop something. Back.
0: Yeah, no, I just, well, you know, I I do know some people kind of in the industry, and they, you know, some some of them were, you know, and some other friends of mine, just guys I know, are just reposting it and stuff too. But it kind of gained this critical mass where I just start seeing now, uh, you know, like industry professionals that I don't know are reposting right. um, it and talking about it and stuff. And then at the end of the day, uh, CBR po- does an article on it and posts a link to the Facebook page. So by the by. In like, what, 8 or 9 in the morning I post it. By the end of the day, it's reached this kind of critical mass of interest where uh, Comic Resources has done a full article on it. And and it was like... It had been sitting there since 2011. Like right. No, nobody had really looked at it. And I just thought it was weird that I... that uh, I felt weird about me being kind of this tipping point of popularity that kind of set it into the zeitgeist. But I thought it was super cool that a dude like, uh, like him got the recognition that he got and that everybody universally was just... Talking about how great the character designs all were, about how
1: great everything. Well, looked. I mean, I think he's. I mean, he's not a he's not a well known name like a Stanley or a Jack Kirby, mm-hmm. but I think within you know, people that know comics, especially that era, he is very highly respected. Mm-hmm. Uh, those that remember all four of his names.
0: Yeah, this was a what and, was do, just, and don't
1: use the M word.
0: For me, it was just a really great. Uh, geeky, it's like a geeky section of a geeky part of of the world. You know, like comics are kind of, you know, nerdy to begin with. And these are people who are into like style guides that are also, you know, there's like a huge overlap. There's a huge overlap of designers and and comic enthusiasts. I, I I found that. And so this... The Venn diagram sweet spot. That this well, I
1: mean, isn't traditionally kind of people like um, Starenko or Michael Golden kind of jump back and forth between those worlds? Oh yeah,
0: even like you know Howard Shaken. I mean, dudes like that definitely have a design background. Uh, Todd McFarlane has a design background. I mean, his dad is a commercial artist, ran a print shop. Todd went to school for graphic design oh, okay. or commercial art. I think it was still called when he was back then. Um, and uh, so no, it was just it was great to see the enthusiasm level reach this point of uh, of a CBR article by the end of the day, and that. Uh, and knowing that it literally started with me because it was a thing from 2011. No one was talking about, you know, I posted it at nine o'clock and then by the end of the day, it was uh, a ton of people were talking about it. And I, I just felt uh, weirdly gratified. I mean, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here or anything, although I am, although Pat You are, yeah. But, uh, but it, was, uh, it was cool because, I mean, yeah, he's, he is a guy who um, who is respected by people who... Who are a little deeper in the industry than your casual fan, um, right? So it was just it was cool to see that it got put out in the world and that there's this appreciation for both the craft of a good style you guide. Mean there and, are
1: artists that worked before Deadpool?
0: Uh, no, no. It all started in the '90s. It all started when a, a guy named Rob Liefeld created, you know, a Cable and Deadpool.
1: Where's his style guide?
0: Um, I don't know, but I can tell you one thing: never not, draw anything below
1: the knees. Yeah,
0: no, no, there are no feet. <laughs> I really, at some point, I want to do. Uh, I, want, I said this before I wanted to do like a Rob Liefeld um, Dale Keown anatomy book like combo anatomy book I
1: don't know Dale do I know Dale he Keown he does uh,
0: Pit. he did the whole oh for a okay while. yeah right and so it's just got like all these extra muscles in there it's just the shoulder rather than being just the front deltoid the middle deltoid and the rear deltoid now has like 19
1: different we deltoids we used to have a car- um, uh, uh, this, this, is, this might be the nerdiest thing that I've said on this podcast which is dedicated to nerdery um, before Robot Chicken we uh, a friend of mine and I used to have the action figure wrestling league, where we would and we didn't have can, uh, we didn't have video. You guys did this
0: between giant orgies you were having? With, yes, with exactly. All the pussy?
1: Okay. We we would. You know, hey, um, me and Madonna, can you leave the room for a few minutes? We yeah. got to do action figure wrestling. So um, it was still it was all stills. Um, oh, that m- might surprise you too on, to 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 learn that there was marijuana involved. Oh, okay. Um, but but was yeah, it this,
0: still, was, this is digital photography. This was digital photography. Oh, was digital. I, I wasn't
1: animating it, but we were just kind of uh, taking pictures of the... You were of, taking of digital photos? Digital, or, digital photos. Oh, so you could see
0: them right. Because I was thinking there was like developing time involved
1: no, in this. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, like I'm running not... to a photo mat. Yeah. That, uh, listener's didn't, didn't a photo have...
0: mat, for those of you who don't, <laughs> don't know. <laughs> just Google search it.
1: Didn't have enough um, Didn't have enough marijuana to stay still long enough to, to care go to, to, a, to I develop. I
0: legitimately, uh, maybe not marijuana. It might have been some other some kind of psychoactive drug uh, i have been you know impaired enough to go out on a photo expedition take film two photo one hour photo or photo mats uh, wait the hour for it, them to come back and then you know then peruse said photos that i thought would just be genius and then none of them were in focus wow. anyway Sorry. so
1: um yeah we would occasionally go out on um you know on, on forays looking for new members of the league and we had this figure who, yeah, I think he was, might have been like a Power Ranger or uh, one of the other Saban you know, lesser-known characters that, yeah, looked like Liefeld Anatomy, I mean, and we always referred to him as Eight Pack because he had, <laughs> he had the, the, this abdominal eight-pack.
0: Yeah. yeah, I love those. I really, I want to do one of these days. I'll just do the cover for the the Dale Keown, Rob Liefeld guy doing Anatomy, and it'll be like the Bernie Hogarth. Uh, you know, dynamic anatomy book right. that every comic artist has, but it'll just have crazy amounts of muscle. I was like, do
1: you remember um, Don Simpson's Megaton Man? Yes, yes. I always loved that because it was just the hyper-masculine, you know, the really tiny lower body and yeah. just the huge puffed-out chest. I want to say his... And...
0: The Meg- Megaton Man was was legitimately a response to yeah, Liefeld no. and, and McDonald's. No, it was because it
1: was before that because the Megaton Man was like mid-80s. I thought it was later in the 80s. I, maybe I just discovered it in the late I, I, 80s, but it yeah. definitely
0: was a... he. Was was a commentary on that kind of
1: he was a Rambo yeah uh, exactly you know, and, and it was very, which is what
0: Judge Dredd was right it was also a commentary on American
1: uh and, and martial muscled law. up there jingoist, was a lot of that. jingoism yeah. there you go muscled up jingoism, muscled up jingoism. that's like a
0: good um, I'm going contender.
1: to see them open for Motley Crue <laughs> oh man speaking of
0: Motley Crue there's a store
1: which of course we always are yeah
0: there's a store in the Scottsdale Fashion Square Mall I don't know what it's called like Black Rider I want to say and it's literally I love it already it's uh it's a lot of um it's a lot of ornate belt buckles <laughs> and uh a lot of embroidered uh jean pockets like back pocket kind of you know it's just it is and i, and I was looking professional at professional bedazzle. they've got a, they've got a, yeah they've got a, a video playing of, of this guy doing like that um, uh, you can see from the storefront because it's very you know kind of uh roped off almost Uh, the way the store is set up Um, and uh, the guy's like making jewelry and it's just you know it's a skull biting down on a dragon and it's all a belt buckle and literally I was with my wife there and uh, just looking at this video loop um, and I was like man it's as if Vince Neil's wet dream came to life and opened up a store (laughs) It was ridiculous. Um, yeah. I, and I. I just Vin, know that...
1: Vince Neal actually committed his uh, his wet dream to video, but uh, that's the topic yeah, for another yeah, episode. Is, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of
0: videos coming out of that group. Um, just so two. what were we talking about? Oh, anatomy. Oh, uh, yeah, I always wanted to do Speaking the... Speaking of anatomy, the, let's
1: talk about uh, Motley Crue sex tapes.
0: The, uh, yeah, exactly. The Dale Keown, uh, Rob Liefeld, <laughs> sorry, uh, Guide to Anatomy, where it is just completely over rendered all the muscles, extra muscles and that kind of Megaton man posture right. where he's got like, he hasn't been doing leg day. He's just all shoulders <laughs> and, and abs. Uh, and then I also wanted to do the, uh, the Rob Liefeld, uh, you know, guide to feet trying, you know, <laughs> where it's just like the shin to the ankle and then it just goes off panel.
1: Just have, um, Rob Liefeld and, and our crumb like square off in the steel cage. Because yep. Arkrum, uh, noted foot fetishist, yeah, yeah, he's and got sometime a sometimes author or sometimes artist. Yeah,
0: he's got a, a really. Uh, I think you want to say he's got like a thigh fetish as much as a foot fetish. Uh, a he
1: is. He fetish. is a lot of. Yeah, yeah, he's very big into piggyback rides. Which mm-hmm. okay, I mean. If that's your thing, that seems uh, kind of harmless.
0: What is that, like Zydeco music or something? Are you, or he was
1: in a like big band.
0: Yeah, he's got a weird... He's in a band, right? He, he was, and, I
1: don't know if he still is. Because yeah. I actually have a, a sampler of their stuff, which was all kind of, yeah, like tw- early 20th century music.
0: There's that uh, new movie coming out, or it came out, The Diary of a Teenage Girl, where the girl is obsessed with uh, R. Crumb's wife. Uh,
1: oh, Eileen. Yes. It's I there, remember.
0: I know, right? Yeah. I, I mean, was something it Arkrum's?
1: No. Ar-Kram, was Arkrum married? I didn't think he well, was. Well, they were a couple, at least. Oh, okay. I thought they were married. I'm, I'm, I sometimes right. get Arkrum and um, Art Spiegelman confused. Not Art Spiegelman. Um, uh, Harvey Picar confused. Oh, yeah, yeah. All my grumpy old... Yeah. Uh, uh, Picar was
0: a writer, so right. he never...
1: Didn't um, he draw his own stuff at first for the original American Splendor? And then once know. he started getting... I don't know.
0: I don't know. Yeah, really. I, 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 know, uh, I know the Paul Giamatti movie.
1: I know the Paul <laughs> Giamatti. Yeah, I've, I've tried and I, reading.
0: And I know that he's important. You know, I mean, I've, I've read more...
1: Uh, I've read more about him than I have read by him.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's one of those guys, like... And I, I've read a lot of R. Crumb, and I've read a lot of um, uh, Sky Pirates, uh, fucking that guy's name. Uh, my underground 70s cartoonist, uh, that is a... An area I would love to to dive into, um, but I I just have barely skimmed the surface of those. Who's the guy who did Sky Pirates? I don't
1: know. Basil Basil Worthington? No. 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 He was more like Hot Rod. There's a really good documentary that he's in, too.
0: I watch a lot of fucking documentaries. I've
1: actually I had a couple of documentaries I wanted to talk to today. Nice, unintentional segue.
0: you jump into that. I'm going to look up Um, Sky Pirates.
1: First was a... Oh uh, I'm blanking on that. Okay, it so I'll, okay. I'll, I'll no, I'll do the uh, the second one first. Then the the, the second documentary I saw was a documentary called uh, Men in Suits.
0: Men in Suits. It is
1: a documentary about people that wear monster suits in the in, in the motion pictures. Is. Oh, okay. Um, it was kind of it was a lot of fun. A lot of uh, interviews with uh, you know Doug Jones, who is prominent. He does a lot of the uh, the characters in uh, Benicio del Toro's. Um, no, Guillermo sorry it, by the way. Guillermo del Toro yeah. Benicio del Toro is a different del Toro yeah. they don't um, all, they don't all look alike.
0: Do, 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 do. Uh Guillermo
1: del Toro was was featured quite prominently in this documentary talking about his love of practical effects over CG and it's really it was a, a, a lot of fun just quick little you know light little thing just a, a bunch of guys there was a, a gen- the guy who played the Gorn in uh, Star Trek oh, sweet. And he, uh, I guess... Duel, had,
0: right? Isn't that the episode? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. And he
1: had gotten his start as uh, playing gorillas. And so he was like, there is a whole section of him going through the history of people playing gorillas in the movies. And I guess there were like only four or five guys that did it because there were only four or five guys that had their own suits.
0: And now we're down to Andy Circus,
1: Right. Well, <laughs> and that was the thing is, is I guess it's, um there's actually, there is a comeback of, uh, of practical effects. And now a lot of the guys are doing... You know they're doing practical effects as a base, and then using the CG to kind of, you know, give them like wings or a tail that would not be, um, that would not be easier or practical. I don't want to say practical twice. It would but, be impractical uh, to create. Yeah, exactly. Aww. I was trying to avoid that, but you obviously. I'm jumping right into, forge right into the pun. Right into the pun. So yeah, so talked to. Um, I mean, they kind of uh, they they showed the process of the, the the guy who played the big monster at the end of the Knights of Badassdom oh, went nice. through, and they showed like you know he talked about the physical regimen that he would have to go through for each monster, you know, and then they would show kind of the stages of him you know learning to use the suit. And the Any suit. of the the
0: Godzillas.
1: Yeah, they had a lot of um, a lot of footage uh, stock, I mean, archival footage. I think the dude died in '98. Oh, okay. But archival footage of the the guy that played the original Godzilla, and played it through the '70s, and then a lot of um, a lot of the other Toho stuff. and the um, I think he played a lot of the Ultraman villains as oh, well, very cool. whose name I do not remember because I am not good at Japanese names. All right, um, racist. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the bonus features are kind of fun. I haven't gone through all of them yet, but they're basically specific anecdotes from specific actors on movies. So, uh, so the one that I saw was Doug Jones talking about being in some terrible movie with uh, some straight-to-video movie with Randy Quaid where he was a bug man.
0: Oh, he, yeah. You know, he
1: almost managed to kill Randy Quaid because Randy Quaid got too close to his, like, six-foot-tall plexiglass pincers.
0: That sounds about right. I think the yeah. world might have been better off if uh, Cousin Eddie had bit, bit it and. Uh, I
1: don't know. Randy second. Quaid's pretty entertaining. He, Just I don't, I'd like him to be entertaining in other states, but yeah, uh, I don't yeah. want him to get too close to me. But <laughs>
0: um, he's he's like Charlie Manson if he hadn't gotten to the whole murder thing. I think. Uh, um, so anyway, it's Air Pirates, not Sky Air Pirates. Air, was, okay. And it was uh, Dan O'Neill
1: was the guy who created those. I am not familiar with that. For some reason, Sky Pirates resonates. Sky but, Pirates uh, is a movie. It's a shitty movie. Air oh, Pirates. Okay, yeah, a, that was
0: the Air Pirates is the people who got sued by Disney because they basically use Mickey Mouse or the, oh, right. okay. well, they're the reason, that's right. Okay. They're the reason that because uh, he he started using the Ub Iwerks version of Mickey that had been out of circulation since like the 60s. And when he started doing it, Disney then started printing old stuff of the Ub work so they would maintain the copyright of UB, which is uh, you know i don't know if people know how copyrights work but every, you know you have I to do continuing you have to continue publishing your characters in order to maintain the copyright. every so often you get these random comic book uh, you know you'll get a, a wannabe story Right. the right? well, challenge well, of the um, I mean, yeah.
1: why we always you know get a fantastic four movie every 10 years yeah, yeah similar yeah. well that was why um, you know disney got got hammered in the press several years ago because they sued that um, that was it—an orphanage or a, a kids' hospital or something that had painted Disney characters on yeah. the walls. And what nobody in the report, the the press reported, was that Disney has to actively defend their copyrights, or else you can use that as a precedent yeah. to to vie them away. And Disney is nothing without its IP. Yeah, yeah. So.
0: Um... But uh, yeah, it, it was one of those weird things where where uh, yeah they had been using an antiquated version, which I like the uh, the Ub Iworks version of Mickey because he's got those uh, that secondary set of lines by his eyes and the eyes are all black. There's no there's no white to them. Um, and I think when most people think of classic Mickey, they actually kind of well nowadays maybe not, but when you and I were kids, like classic Mickey really was more what Ub had done than what Disney had done because uh, what Walt did kind of looked more like what ended up being Mortimer Mouse. In fact, he wanted to call him Mortimer right. Mouse. Yeah, so. Um, when Mortimer shows up, uh, you know, as as the rival, as Mickey's rival to Minnie, that's that's kind of more of what Mick, you know what uh, Walt had had in mind, and, and Ub was the one who did the kind of the lion's share of work in those first. I mean, I think he drew almost every frame of like Plane Crazy, and the Plane Plane Crazy was made first, and then there was another one, a cowboy one, that was made first, and then. Steamboat Willie was the third one that they made in sound, but they released the sound one first and then went back right, and put sound okay. into playing. The Steamboat
1: Willie is really the only one that I'm familiar with, and that's just because it was on an infinite loop in that theater. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah where you can get some air running. conditioning off Main exactly. Street you know,
0: <laughs> if you're uh, suffering in the Southern
1: California Dropping song. some locals-only knowledge yeah, on y'all. Go.
0: Local rap. I think it's still playing at that same I, theater. They have a really good animation theater in California Adventure that has a lot of cool. Like they'll have maquettes from uh, all right from like they had uh, Frank and Weenie maquettes there and stuff, and then they'll change it out to whatever's current. They'll have like making of stuff there, but it also has a really good kind of history of animation. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean it, it's it's uh, it's a really good
1: educational part of the park. So which I'm sure kids love. Because nothing, yeah. nothing you want to do at a theme park some, more than learn shit. Yeah, some kids do. You which know is why everyone, there's always a three hour line for the Hall of Presidents.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is gone now. It's like, it's now a weird sales
1: pavilion. It for... died with the respect for the presidency.
0: I think so, yeah. I blame Bush.
1: I, I blame Nixon, but uh, yeah. no, because I saw it in 76. So uh, I blame Carter. Mmm,
0: stagflation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, there's a book all about a,
1: If anyone listening to this remembers stagflation, you're old. Um, okay, so the other, uh, the other documentary I saw, which uh, was more, because uh, I think Men in, uh, Men in Suits was like 2011, 2012. This is actually really recent. Uh, I think it's just now hitting VOD. It's called uh, Call Me Lucky. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is uh, directed by uh, one of my heroes, Bobcat Goldthwaite, and it is about a comedian named uh, Barry Timmons. Who was one of the founding, uh, mem- you know, one of the founders of the, the Boston comedy scene in the '80s? He was, I think, he um, he was the guy that put together the Dim Ho, which was one of the big comedy shows that uh, you know Bobcat and Tom Kinney and uh, Dana Gould and Stephen Wright and Chris Rock and um, Louis C.K. and a lot of that that scene really came up in. And he's uh, he's he's one of the reasons I liked it is he's still alive and active today. Which is nice because so so rarely do uh, people actually get to see you know the documentaries about themselves and get appreciated in their lifetimes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, so the first part of it was just you know kind of his story, him um, you know growing up, or part of his story of him growing up you know, on the East Coast and what he became, you know, kind of a comedian and an activist. And then uh, apparently one night while he was on stage, he just kind of snapped. And instead of doing a routine of funny stuff, he just talked about how he was molested as a child. And that he kind of, um, you know, and people always, you know, there were a lot of uh, eyewitnesses. They're talking about, well, we always knew there was something wrong with Barry. And there was something Mm -hmm. had gone on, but we never knew what. And we had no idea. And then Barry got out of comedy for a while and moved to Cleveland. And um, discovered it's the home
0: of Exile comics,
1: right? I think it was Cleveland, yeah. um, somewhere in there, somewhere in exile, uh, in Babylon, as the rusties say. <laughs> um, but while he was there, he was doing something for AOL, and he stumbled across um, some of the AOL pedophile chat rooms, and he became, you know, started really crusading against against that, and specifically AOL. And AOL made it so easy. I mean, I think at the time for pedophilia, they had a three strikes and you're out rule. And yeah, it but was it was just, also
0: during a time of uh, like, you know, when you were paying for dial up, like kind right. of by minute. Yeah. You know, so the, you know, and it takes you know, 20, 30 minutes to upload a photo. So they're making a ton of money. They're making a ton of money. Of and there was a lot
1: of it, but it was basically, they were turning a blind, you know, it was yeah, like they yeah. were turning a blind eye, but they were not really putting any, and it, this was... You know, not not to defend uh, AOL, but as you know, this was all still fairly new, so nobody really knew what was going on or what mm-hmm. was up or what. So he was, I mean, he was instrumental and in bringing this to national attention. And actually, there's some great footage of him just dominating the AOL Council um, in a at, a at a Senate hearing. Yeah, and he, you know, because of his actions, got all you know brought this to light, and and got you know legislation got AOL to uh, to shut down all of that. So it was really nice It's just something that's really inspiring is to see a guy who overcame his own personal tragedy to, you know, make the world a better place. And I mean he literally did. He got this shut down and you know obviously pedophilia is still around, but uh, you know, much more difficult to do, not as out in the open or easily accessible.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well I mean, you know, the internet really allowed Allowed it to be more, uh, right. Them well, to be more of a community, you know. I what mean, I mean? Yeah, the
1: the internet is, is great for allowing you know disparate people in, in, in obscure communities. So they doing need, horrible the, things. Well, to, but you know, I mean it's great be, yeah. you know, if you're into knitting or my dad um, is into restoring old cars, and it was always very difficult because the guy that you know the, the, there was two guys that he had the part that he needed, and one of mm-hmm. them is in you know Canada, and one of them's in Minnesota. But now on the internet, you Is can just go to. Is there a difference between those two places? Uh, yeah, one's on uh, metric and one's still on British standard. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, Aren't the British not
0: even on British standard anymore? No. Nope. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs>
1: yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so I mean, so the internet is great at, at bringing people like that together and allowing you... And unfortunately, some of the people that it brings together are horrible, horrible people. Yeah. I mean, like us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So
1: that's that's oh, why well, we're we here were, every week for We you. weren't brought together by the internet, yeah. but it, it keeps us together. We were brought
0: together IRL, and now uh, now we stay together for the internet. We've got the show. We can't split up. <laughs> Until the show
1: turns 18. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, God, that's a horrible thought. Are we really going to be doing this uh, 17 years from now? Uh, I hope not. I don't know. I mean, well. yeah. So hopefully, God willing, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, I, I listened to uh, Bobcat was on uh, Nerdist. You know,
1: yeah. One. I know mean, Bobcat's been making the, the podcast yeah. rounds.
0: I think he was on. He might have been on Marin too. But I heard him talking about like uh, actually going to the basement where. The yeah, I mean I that was really him. powerful. Was bringing yeah.
1: him, and the, the the strange thing. What one of the other upshots of that is, he talked about. You know, he grew up in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, he never had any problem. You know, the the pastor in his town was always kind of creepy and always, you know, trying to, you know, saying weird things to him, but never did anything to him. But once he got up and admitted that he had been raped by uh, someone else, it was like the babysitter's father or something, mm-hmm. someone kind of vaguely related. Um, a lot of other people his age in his town, that gave them the courage to, you know, to, to cite the, this preacher, this pastor that uh, Barry never had any problems mm. with, but other people did. Oh, gotcha. And so they brought him down, you know, 18 years later. Mm. Damn. So is was, you
0: know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's Creepy shit, man. Yeah. But yeah, no. I heard the documentary's good. I wanted to check it out. It's it's at Film Bar, right? Uh,
1: it was at Film Bar. I think it, it left because you know Film Bar generally only has things for uh, a week.
0: Turbo Kid. Turbo up. Kid yeah. opens. Yeah. Uh, is that but, all weekend or just Friday?
1: Um, I think it starts because I was planning on seeing it over the weekend.
0: Mm, I think I might take my kids. To, is it is that an all ages one? Oh uh, yeah, well, I, think I, I love everyone listening to us plan our I weekend together. I think it's a PG
1: PG thirteen. All
0: right, cool. I'll see. I, they really liked the preview when we went and saw the damn documentary. They they laughed heartily. Uh, but the, oh, you know, it looks... They've never seen those post-apocalyptic, you know, uh, movies of the '80s that we had—the the, your damnation alleys and, and uh, cyborgs. But I think the my daughter at least has an, an appreciation for that '90s, late '80s, '90s aesthetic, VHS aesthetic, I guess.
1: It looks like it is a slightly uh, more serious version of um, King Fu- Kung Fury. Kung Fury. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think I think we were talking about that. How should we yeah. show them Kung Fury and then see if they want to see uh, Turbo Kid? But yeah, I definitely want to see that. And Decline is this weekend too.
1: Decline is yeah this week. Which uh, I think they normally I think their their schedule is normally Friday through uh, Friday through Thursday. Yeah. We really should get them to sponsor us. Yeah, like
0: hey, we talk about, about your podcast. Your your uh, yeah. Hey, if you're ever in Phoenix or if you're in Phoenix, just check out what the Film bar's doing. Right. You won't be disappointed. Tell
1: them the Cult of popture sent you and then tell them they should sponsor us.
0: Yeah, yeah. I heard about you on the Cult. We'll give you a little dialogue here. This is what you should say. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not, Here's talking, the, I'm not doing act outs for oh, you. We'll
1: we'll we'll do a PDF. We'll put it on the on the website. Yeah, we'll give you a you script like a, yeah. like
0: one of those just say no scripts. You know, someone comes to you with drugs. Hello, just,
1: sir yeah. or madam. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to tell you about a great podcast. That
0: podcast. What's that? <laughs> oh man. Um. Did you see that? Uh, what is the John Oliver show?
1: Uh, I think it's just the John Oliver show. Yeah, where he was I,
0: showing the 1960s menstruation videos. No. Oh, it was fuck. It was about sex ed, but he was showing like a 1960s, 70s uh, menstruation film. Or film. And uh, Mike from Breaking Bad is in it, like a very young Mike from Breaking Bad. It's fucking.
1: Those are the best. Oh, they they, they really just uh... watch it. Well, I mean, not the menstruation videos, but watching old films and finding you know someone very like if you watch uh, the original Charles Bronson Death Wish, one of the guys that uh, you know rapes and murders his wife and kid is like a eighteen year old Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. His first yeah. role.
0: One of the things I posted this week too that got a lot of traction was uh, um, Nerdist had posted a uh, a little analysis of the Electric Company Spider Man yes. shorts which we, we've talked about Spider Man my entry into comic books uh, the Spider Man Electric Company really one of my first exposures to that that in the '60s reruns. Uh, But, you know, watching that, the umpire, the the lanky black umpire comes in and it's Morgan, fucking Morgan Morgan Freeman, Freeman. like Oscar winner.
1: uh, it, It was weird because that episode is specifically the one I remember as my first introduction Oh. Spider-Man, because I remember that line about he's so stupid, he's trying to eat a hot dog without a mouth, and it's <laughs> Spider-Man kind of trying to poke a, a, a hot dog into his mask. Uh, I just remember the word
0: balloons coming up, and the weird sounds it made, and I remember the way that the web shooters came out. Like right. uh, I couldn't tell you the first one I remember, or any of them really... Uh, oh, we still
1: running? Yeah, we're still you running.
0: screwed up? Um, I'll edit that in post. Okay, that's fine. Uh, we don't edit anything in post. But yeah, it was, it was just... You don't know. It's you're funny right uh, You're right. <laughs> uh, mercifully. Um but uh, yeah, it was great to see you know Oscar winner or he's won Oscars right? I'm sure. Yeah, Oscar winner Morgan Freeman come be the umpire in this really poorly produced 1974 Spider Man you know <laughs> skit. But uh, and so much about it is just you know. But it was it was I have an affinity for um, off model but officially licensed product. Right. You know, like back and back before everyone really restricted. I, I want to say before Disney really set the precedent for controlling their brand um you know once they did it everyone else kind of started doing it because you look at like the old the first Spider-Man balloon from the Macy's, you know, Thanksgiving Day parade, and it is a fucking abomination. It is balloony. Or the um, who was the company who did the the, the Halloween costumes?
1: Um, oh, I know who you're talking you know, about. It, the ones with the 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 flimsy rubber band yeah. that would never last the entire. But then you night. had the, the plastic like, right. tunic that had. The, I, I don't know the name of the company, but, but the but
0: spider. Yeah, it was. Uh, all, it's like a famous company, and they've made great. Uh, the in the '60s, they had great like werewolf masks. a really great like. Peel, red, and uh, chartreuse werewolf mask. I swear, those those are the colors that make the mask up. But somehow it all works. Uh, um, but their, their Spider-Man one, like the mask, was kind of right on.
1: I think but, I have uh, the Spider-Man one at but one point, But the point, costume actually.
0: itself has a, has a ton of yellow in right. it. And, uh, and it was just, it was such a great, like, you know, but it was, oh, I guess that's Spider-Man. Um, there's such a great time in, in this country when, when, like, you know, Mickey Mouse plush dolls and the tin toys coming out of Japan... Just all looked horribly. It was just, they were like the the um, Turkish knockoff version, right. but they were the officially licensed thing because you know, no one was quality control. A friend
1: who uh, collected those in the '80s and '90s, not those specifically, but um, he would go to like flea markets and 99-cent stores and like Korean grocery stores and buy the uh, buy the thinly veiled, uh, you know. Uh, intellectual property oh, knockoffs
0: yeah these are ones though i mean like I, I love those too like i love going to like when i live near mexico like i love going to like you know Tijuana and or even like south san diego where you could get those uh you know ultramans that were the superman knockoff and and, and i love those those knockoff ones but these were ones that were legitimately spider-man tm oh, okay. like you know they 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 had an agreement with marvel but marvel wasn't they're marvel like yeah was, just, wasn't
1: policing just, the yeah. uh
0: And even Disney for a time, like when you look at the – there's these Mickey tin toys that got made by Japan. When when post-World War II, uh, before Japan really got into tech, uh, it just started manufacturing because it had been fairly agricultural. And uh, they had all this war industry that was cranking out uh, planes and guns and what have you. But post – their constitution post-World War II forbids them from building a standing army. So they have all these factories set up. So they started making – a lot of kind of what China started doing in, like, the 80s, uh, Japan was doing, like, in the 60s and 70s, where it was, like, you know, t- punch tin, cheap crap toys, little, those little zapper, like, those ray guns that uh, put the sparks out and stuff, right? Yeah.
1: Love those. Like, those
0: used to all be made in Japan for a while until Japan uh, kind of geared its industry up to be more technological and then eventually kind of surpassing mm-hmm. us, which is kind of what Japan's do- – or, I mean, they were doing it for America. Now China's doing it where kind of they're more, the more menial just – Eh, we're making toys is getting done in like um, Cambodia now, and right. like, textile stuff is getting done in Vietnam. It's like uh, we just keep moving away from like we're helping these countries get set up to make more and more technologically advanced things, uh, you know. But anyway, um, but so Japan used to make a lot of uh, tin toys.
1: Yeah, but what you're neglecting is the, the whole uh, cultural imperialism aspect of it. They're making our tchotchkes.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we definitely you know MacArthur full, fully in place. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but um, but the there's this really kind of sought after. Mechanical Mickey wind-up toy that looks more like um, Iron Man 28, you know Tetsujin. Like it looks more like that than a Mickey Mouse, but it's it's pretty. It has a very Japanese uh, uh, sensibility to it. But it, it was the ones they sold at Disneyland. You right. know what I mean? Like, and that that's what I love is that that when well, brands did... stopped or or didn't give a shit about uh, uh, about um, quality control. Did I guess. Did you ever
1: see the uh, the Man Thing movie? Uh, No. Did you know there was a Man-Thing movie? I did not. Marvel wants it that way. Oh, nice. Um, And this is a similar thing, and I think this is one of the reasons why Marvel started taking so much of an interest and hands-on approach with their products was they had licensed uh, a a Man-Thing movie, and it was supposed to be like a theatrical release, and I guess they just kind of licensed it and didn't pay a lot of attention to it. And then when it came back, it was... I mean, the character design looked a little bit... Oh, yeah, I remember yeah, that.
0: Yeah, so these this horrible. Awful... Yeah, sorry. Um,
1: the character looked, you know, you could tell it was supposed to be the Man Thing under all that terrible, terrible 90s CGI. <laughs> and uh, they used the name Ted Salas, um, which was the Man Thing's original name. And then that was pretty much the only resemblance. And, um, you know, Marvel's like, oh, wait, we should have been paying attention. We're not allowing that on the big screen. <laughs> and I think it got like, it, 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 it kind of got sloughed off into a straight to sci fi. Because uh, you know somebody had the rights to do something with it, and buried. I don't even know if you can get it on uh, on DVD release anymore. But it was you know it was one of those where they're like, yeah, we really need to start paying more attention to what people are doing with our stuff.
0: Yeah, that really, like I said, it wasn't until um, Disney kind of started clamping down on the 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 way Mickey was portrayed that everyone else kind of followed suit. But you know, you, yeah, I mean, you look at like the. Even Spider Man, the way that he sh- he's shown in like the Nicholas Hammond movie, you know, right. like he's got that big. He looks well, more like Japanese Spider Man and that, that, that was,
1: I mean, that was a big thing. And I mean, if you remember, um, you know, L- Lucy used to just slap her likeness on anything for the longest time, and this is kind of uh, what they make fun of with Krusty the Clown. But I have uh, you know, board games um, upstairs that Lucy just kind of slapped her name on that she obviously had no idea what they're doing. It's kind of later in life. It was a, a big cash grab. I don't think people really, you know, it was more of a uh, you know, branding was more of a a, a wide net than uh, than a narrow cast foc- uh, focused.
0: Yeah, for sure. It definitely was just like, well, the name's out there. You know, like they're not right. really like, eh, who cares if it Well, doesn't. I
1: mean, yeah, and that's, you know, our, our, a lot of our broadcast industries were just, you know, solely founded on the let's get their name out there. I mean, there were no commercials, uh, you know, Skelly Oil or, or Patriot Cigarettes or whatever it would just sponsor a show. Oh, well, there the it is. That...
0: So that's that's the top part of the costume, with the yellow or the blue should be. Oh, right. Yeah, I totally had one of those. I'll, I'll dig up a photo of me. I know I have a photo of me in that costume.
1: Right on. That's a, that's a, is that what sparred the Lucha Libre?
0: Um, you know, the Lucha Libre was just uh, growing up in Southern California, being a Mexican okay. kid in L.A. Like, I... I'm trying to think where i first got i mean it, honestly i can't remember a time when i just didn't know what those were you know what i mean like i remember going like my grandmother's uh lived in um pico rivera and montebello and i would go stay with them during the summers and stuff and i remember we would, would walk down to the corner store and they had um they had these things god i'm trying to remember what they they were like letra sets i don't know if you know what letra set is
1: right.
0: so a letra set is a uh, it's it's uh it's kind of like a sticker but it's like usually for Usually for uh, for graphic design purposes, there's letters on there, and you used to have, when you were doing mechanical art boards, they were on clear plastic, and they had the black letters on there, and you put it down and you burnish, you rub them, and then the letter stays on the paper. Okay. So it was those, but they were um, like the
1: reverse of silly putty.
0: Kind of. So these images are just on like a clear backing. You put them on, a, and so you would get those, um, and they had uh, superhero ones too, because you see Spider-Man ones, and you got like a you got a, a booklet of one, and so you'd open it up, and there's like a two-page spread of like the city.
1: Oh, okay. And then you and then had you Spider-Man,
0: just... and you would just put you would put Spider-Man where you wanted him to. You just kind of burnished him down, and then he was on there. And they had Lucha Libre ones of
1: those. okay. And I
0: and I remember the little uh, shitty plastic like
1: the color forms. Uh, not more quite. Uh,
0: yeah, I can't. I don't, I don't even remember what the fuck those things were. Called. I wish I could remember because if I. Honestly, I'm sure if I saw one from my youth, I would freak the fuck out because I definitely bought that Spider-Man Cityscape one a couple of times. <laughs> it's like the power record I have of Spider-Man. Okay. You know what I mean? It's just like one of those things you're like, oh, power records. like. Um,
1: I still buy those when I see them. Oh,
0: whenever... Uh, they had a free one in the swag bag uh, stuff for free at, at PhoenixCon last year. They had oh, a... They had a
1: uh, how did I miss that?
0: Uh, I don't know, but I was just like, well, this is all free, and like even the record? I'm like, yoink, that is mine. So it was uh, um, I believe it was a Superman one. So I've got... Uh, I I've, I have the Spider-Man uh, case and record for the the Lizardman and the werewolf.
1: Okay, I have that one.
0: Um, but I didn't have the comic that came with
1: the big okay. oversized comic. Right.
0: So I bought the comic separately, which uh, I have as, as just... And it's comic size, so it's not the big one that goes in there. I did see a complete one the other day of, of the entire thing, I, but it was like 50 bucks. Right. And I was like, I already have it. It's just not as complete as I want, but I also still have the one that, I mean, that one's from my youth, from when I, like, I literally, and then I have a Batman one uh, that's a that's a big, uh, you know, full-size uh, EP. I have two Superman 45s, and, uh, and now I have the Superman uh, EP size I have, one. I have
1: one of the, uh, the, I think it's Aquaman and Flash split seven-inch. That's <laughs> such uh, a great statement. Uh, I've got the uh, Steve Austin 12. Inch.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, I remember on the inside of the um, on the inside of the Power Records, where the, the sleeve where you, the the sleeve where you put the um, the actual record into. Uh, when you pull the record out, there's like these yellow. It's like yellow with like black line drawings and everything of other comics. And they have the Six Million Dollar Man one where his arms up and like all of it's all being shot away. They have the uh, the Barbarian fighting uh, fighting the Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, people. right? Yeah. I'm trying to think what the other Did one is. Did you see...
1: I posted a photo um, on Facebook earlier this week. I don't know what con it was from, but from a, a con the last couple of weekends where... There was a couple that were dressed as the Steve Austin and Jamie Summers action figures. The (laughs) dude had like his arm, you know, kind of rolled back so you could see the mechanics of his bionics and everything. It was just, it was brilliant. It was like this is one of those where I know seven people that will appreciate it, but those these seven people will love it.
0: Yeah, I I I did I saw that and I think I liked it, but yeah, it was uh, whenever. Anyone gets into like that six million dollar man, bionic woman. Didn't Lindsay Wagner? Isn't she dead? Or she had sick? No. Is she still alive?
1: I think she's still alive. I
0: she had, came down with some bad kind of illness.
1: I don't think so. Lee Majors, I think he must have like pissed off a mobster or something because he's kind of been um, in hiding since the Fall Guy.
0: Dude, I used to work for. Uh, well, we worked together a long time ago, and then I worked for him fairly recently. He was a official member of the. Um, Fuck Lee Majors fan club. Like he had a signed eight by ten certificate that came with being official member of the fan club.
1: Remember, you remember the old days when you could get away with just wearing a bright red jumpsuit in public. No. Yeah,
0: no, I would love to. That's let's, one of. Let's things. bring that back. I've got a couple costume ideas that I really want to do. Um, might talk my wife into both of us getting purple jumpsuits and going as Anna is, and Jana. Is Anna and Jana, <laughs> yeah. nice. But, like, kind of the more, you know, like, a, just a, a, an alternate take on them, you know? Right.
1: Well, yeah, because uh, Steph's not going to take out her piercings. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. So maybe it's like the full hipster pierced version of Xan and G. Which you know? of
1: your kids are you going to make come as a monkey? Um, oh, I could get
0: Wilder to come as a monkey for sure. <laughs> Quinn, although Quinn would probably eat that up. She, uh, funny aside, she. Um, this is
1: all funny aside. When she
0: was class president, uh, or school president, Student body president—that's what it was. Student body president at her. Um, so
1: she was the man.
0: One through eight school. So she was a student body president. Um, they did a bunch of fundraising, and the thing that they they bought with all the fundraising was a mascot for the school. So they they ordered, they researched and ordered a coyote, because uh, they're the coyotes to, to okay. be the mascot. And so late in the year, a it, costume
1: or an actual coyote?
0: No, an actual costume or a costume. Oh. Sorry, a, a costume. Uh, so they they got a, they got a, a, a you know plush wearable you know. Monster so they seat. bought a furry, and uh, it pretty much. And, uh, you know, to, to their liking and their colors and everything. And and, um, and I asked Quinn, I'm like, oh, so uh, at some point, are you going to put it on? She's like, I'm the first person putting this on. <laughs> She's like, I'm president. I decided this was the thing we're doing. I'm the first person who gets to wear this suit. I'm like, awesome. So, yeah, the first person to be yeah.
1: the poster. So you're teaching your daughter all about abuse of power.
0: Oh, pretty much, yeah. You know, she learned it all on her own. But, yeah. <laughs> so I have a feeling, like, I think she dug being uh, anonymous that way. You've so raised feel, a furry. I feel like... Uh, but the other, yeah, so one of one of my costume ideas is the fine purple, like, track suits. Uh, and then maybe just do... Because they had that, that V that formed uh, where the Z and the J right. were. So I would figure we would just wear black shirts under it, and I would do some kind of, like, very hipsterish uh, J and Z on the chest. Probably in... Because
1: um, those were pretty overly stylized already, if I remember correctly. Well, they
0: had the big, like, Nightwing-esque collars. Right. Well, because um, it was the 70s. Dead man, I would say. Um, and then they had the trunks on the outside, but they were the same color as their... Um, as their, uh, as their tights.
1: So they just had the line I mean, for the And they had troncour. those kicking uh, kickin haircuts. Yeah, that's
0: what I want to do is I want to get mine because his hers kind of curled up like a wave almost. I think his just kind of went back into a point. So I'm hoping I can grow my hair out to a point. So maybe <laughs> that's one Halloween costume. I'm also thinking about doing uh, hipster Captain Marvel Jr. Where I just <laughs> get like a blue t-shirt and I put a lightning bolt on it. But like just a full like super squared like no
1: no point to it really where it's just you know. I, I I believe somebody's already done hipster Captain Marvel jr really? his name was Elvis
0: oh gotcha yeah and then I want to wear uh, yellow Chuck Taylors and just like jeans you know dark dark denim jeans blue shirt and then just a red hoodie and I might do um I might do like a little bit of yellow detail around the hoodie so it, it does look like Captain Marvel jr I don't know what I can do for like the um the the gauntlets that he has. I mean, or if right. I really need to, but I mean, fuck. If I let my hair grow, I, my hair looks like Captain Marvel Jr.'s. I kind of bear a slight resemblance right. to Kevin Marvel Jr. Anyway, so but then I can get her to be hipster Mary Marvel Jr.
1: <laughs> so um, I
0: really for Halloween I want to do a couples costume because never. Oh no, that's a lie. I had one girlfriend one time who did a couples costume. We um, did
1: raggedy Ann and raggedy. Ann we did Sid and Nancy.
0: And Dorbs. Okay. And I was not Sid. <laughs>
1: You were just a giant needle.
0: Oh, I was just. Oh, well, I looked like a mess of a woman, which is perfect when you are cosplaying <laughs> Nancy Spongen.
1: Because Nancy Spongeon never really shaved her chin. Oh so man, perfect.
0: She, she was a fucking mess of a woman. Oh yeah, she was yeah. the Courtney
1: Love of her time.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, Courtney Love uh, uh, auditioned to be Nancy right. that Chloe Webb ended up getting, and then Nancy ends up playing that friend that gets puked on at uh, at the um, at the restaurant in the scene of that movie. That's a great fucking movie. By the um, way, Sid and Nancy?
1: Yeah. Alex Cox. Love Alex Cox. Yeah. Love those cocks. I
0: love, I love me some cocks.
1: Yeah. What the hell uh, are had, we talking about? I had one quick hit I wanted to do okay. before we got lunch in. Uh, Fear of the Walking Dead started uh, right. Monday night. How was that? Um, meh. All right. It was it basically, it, um, it, it's it's an, it's an interesting idea. It's on the other coast because all of The Walking Dead takes place in and around the, Ameri- the, South, the Southeast, mm-hmm. uh, Atlanta and Georgia and... I guess Atlanta and Georgia are kind of the same. So this takes place in you know Southern California, and it basically takes place before The Walking Dead, like as the zombie plague is first starting. So at the beginning of the pilot or the first episode, no one knows about the zombie plague, and it's just basically about this uh, dysfunctional mixed family, um, a single mom. I don't know what happened to the dad, and she's raising you know her daughter as class president and her son as a junkie. And she's dating a Hispanic man who has a kid and an ex-wife of his own. And so there's contention there. And then, um, you know, just there's you, you're starting to, as they're dealing with their own shit, especially with the junkie kid, uh, you're starting to see on the news and such indications that uh, weird shit is going on. And towards the end of the episode, there is a... Strange things are, at the says, the things are afoot at the Circle K. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K there's a viral video of cops shooting a kid which is not unusual in Los Angeles yeah. but the kid getting up and continuing even after the headshot so it's kind of the early days of the of the zombie well before it was a plague when it was just kind of you know patient zero gotcha uh, so it's kind of an interesting take but so far you know without much in the way of zombies it's just dysfunctional family drama which i don't need all right how was uh, how was the man from uncle uh, Man from Uncle was kind of dull. Really, I mean, it was they got all the period elements right. Um, they didn't go. He, it's just it's, it didn't have a direction. Um, the acting, I liked Arnie Hammer as um, Army Hammer as uh, Ilya Kuryakin. Um I thought uh, Henry Cavill was a little off as Napoleon Solo. Um, it just it, there How were was the, that girl from uh, Oh, she that, was great. I Ex thought Machina. she was the best. Yeah. I don't remember her name.
0: Yeah, she's the girl from Ex Machina. Right, which I haven't seen yet.
1: Oh, X Mackin is great, also, yeah. but uh, yeah, and it's just—it was fine. It was more. Um, there really wasn't any action, especially from Guy Ritchie. The, I was expecting, you know, some camp or some, you know, just crazy balls out mm-hmm. action, and there really wasn't. It was like watching a BBC production. All-
0: one of these days, I'm going to make a movie where a fight scene goes down, like a crazy fight scene, and the guy's literally going to have no pants on, so I can say that it is balls out action. There we go.
1: Um, "Eastern Promises" by David Cronenberg. Oh yeah, yeah, great fucking movie. Great yeah, fucking movie. Uh, editing, yeah, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of male ass.
0: Cronenberg has a weird obsession with identity. I wrote a review of. Um, history of violence right and uh was trying you know uh, it was again to quote michael chabon who it was siobhan quoting someone else that um every store every author tells the same story over and over again you know because like Chabon has was he was he's addressing the issue that in every one of his books like an animal gets hurt and there's a like a flawed male character you know always right. and he's like yeah every author just tells the same story over and over again so I'm, I'm obsessed with the idea of kind of figuring out what uh
1: what directors and authors are obsessed with and Cronenberg is obsessed with identity. He's obsessed with identity. He has a, he, There's a few themes that run through. He's obsessed with uh, body image. Yeah, but that's identity. Okay. Because you look at something like The
0: Fly, and it's and, literally and someone becoming. Yeah, someone becoming something that they're not. Like watching themselves turn into something like uh, uncontrollably. You look at something like Dead Ringers. And it's like when your whole identity is wrapped up in your relation to this other person, what happens right. when you sever relations with that person?
1: And even like video drum, long live the new flesh.
0: And uh, and then <laughs> a history of violence is this guy like, do you get to be? Who you think you are? Right. Can or, you cut off your history? Yeah, entirely? or or does is the world always make you who it thinks you are? Who it thinks you are? And, and
1: Eastern it, Eastern Promises was uh, undercover as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it
0: was a lot about, um, and it was about that girl being able to shake her history again, like her um, connection to that that world, and and you know. Uh, trying to be away from it, but it, it, it's intrinsically who she is, and so she's going to be pulled and, into and it. And
1: nobody saw the last Cronenberg film. Who was that? It was was it? No, it was. They had, uh, Pat, uh, oh, the, the kid from Twilight. Yeah, he's, he's just taking a cab he's, like, ride taking or taking a chauffeur. Yeah, a limo. yeah, yeah,
0: a limo ride. That's it. Yeah, uh, I haven't. I love Cronenberg's movies, though, so I'm willing. I'm really willing to, to give it a shot. I mean, even his adaptation of um, of The Naked Lunch.
1: Naked Lunch was brilliant. Becomes
0: about uh, you
1: know, well because it's an unadaptable book, so it was yeah, more yeah. about the the process of writing the book than about the book itself.
0: Yeah, and it's also a little bit about um, again defining who you are, right. you know, by the the things that you do. Are are, are we the things that we do? And then the, do those then start to f- feedback loop define who we are? Because he creates the mugwumps who are then drugging him to create more story about the mugwumps. So I think those kind of um, which I, like in Zero I was talking about like that weird. Um, you know like at what point does this become this Ouroboros of, uh, of creator creation where you know I make a thing I make Lomano and now Lomano informs how everybody views me so that I right. make more things that are similar to you know what I mean so we're getting
1: um, into some serious Grant Morrison territory. Yeah, yeah,
0: but I love I love that idea that, um, I mean, I, I've always been infatuated with the idea that uh, that it is the viewer who completes the painting or the work of art. Right. And so they bring everything out, which is why I work in the style that I do because I try to elicit as much work from them as possible. I don't put every single element of everything on there. I try to abbreviate it so that people are then forced to fill in the gaps with their own memory so they're personally involved. But then also that, that, um, that kind of washes my hands of ownership at a certain point. Like once I print it, I you know people see what they want to see and read into it what they want to read into it and that's their version of the book which may not drive with what I had intended but it's still not any less real to them than. and I love that about music too especially interpretive right. things like poetry um, you know they, they become uh, they become co-authored by everyone who ever reads them and uh, anyway um I forgot what the fuck. Why did we get into Cronenberg? We were talking about oh, oh no. he's balls out. We got into balls out. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cronenberg's a guy I feel like we could do a deep dive into. Oh, t-
1: totally. Um, we could
0: because I, I am obsessed. He's he's a guy who who seemingly oh. makes very different movies, but at some point you realize thematically, right? There's a thing about them all. And I
1: just recently bought the um uh, the the Criterion version of Scanners on sale.
0: Is that Cronenberg as well? Yeah. Oh, there's Identity too. And they literally switch bodies at yeah. the end. You know what I mean? Like Identity. Head's blowing up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Michael Ironside's so fucking creepy oh, in that yeah.
1: movie. Oh, Michael Ironside's just creepy.
0: Uh, he's such a bad... I mean, him, from that to Star, uh, Starship Troopers, V, the series, like, fucking... Dude, if I ever need a badass, it's fucking Michael Ironside. And then I heard him on Nerdist not that He was out uh, That
1: Nerdist was great. And
0: he's so fucking nice. He's yeah. like, he's the guy who, like, you would think would just kick everyone's ass and be gruff and kind of... But he's, right. like, the super nicest guy on the planet. And I'm like, that is not what I expected that dude to be like in, in person. Um... Alright, we, right. we so that, uh, uh, we've
1: reached that time again. Uh, I've been watching a lot of documentaries apparently. lately. So um, I have 11 more that I've been really looking forward to. So we'll talk about uh, upcoming documentaries. Uh, number 11. I'm not a psycho, I'm in character. The story of a Deadpool cosplayer. <laughs> uh, number 10. A Deadpool cosplayer? A, yeah, well, just one. Because, uh, you know, a documentary about all the Deadpool cosplayers would uh, take forever. Uh, number 10, Life is Overrated, Zombies, Vampires, and the Gothification of Our Youth. All right. Uh, number 9, What Do You Mean by You People, Diary of a Social Justice Warrior. <laughs> uh, number 8, uh, Reboot My Biography, The Dan DiDio Story. <laughs> I like it. Um, and, and following that team. Number 7, and M- Alan Moore Hates This Movie, An Unauthorized Autobiography. <laughs> So I would imagine. I, I, I just. I have this image of Alan Moore filming his own autobiography and then going on into the public to to, to say how terrible it yeah. was. Uh, number six. That's not what she said. The art of dubbing a martial arts film. I like that. Uh, number five. Oh, we
0: should do. Are you are you a big martial arts film fan? Uh, a
1: little okay. bit. Uh, not not as much as you. I think oh, we've okay. had this discussion where I was thinking
0: we should do kung fu movies of the seventies. Um,
1: we could I could we could probably bring someone else in. Right. That, oh, uh, we should
0: find a, a kung fu expert. Like yeah.
1: Greg, uh, Greg Holmes. Yeah,
0: yeah. We I could talk wrestling with Holmes yeah. for sure.
1: Well, you could. I'll just sit in the corner and, and hope oh, he doesn't break yeah, my yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, I got to see
0: what he fa- what he thought of uh, Jushin Liger uh, his uh, American debut recently. Uh, I hadn't seen it. So I, don't, I don't know how it went, but uh, I, I really want more
1: that New Japan stuff to be in America. Sorry, continue. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, number five, The History of Phone Boxes, a primer for Doctor Who fans. Oh. Uh, number four, It Is Canon, the making of the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> yes. Uh, number three, I think you would appreciate this, Scott McCloud's Understanding Documentaries.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: number two, Sad, Soggy, and Superfluous, The History of Aquaman. <laughs> Honestly, man, I... You
0: could fucking make that documentary.
1: I uh, yeah, I shouldn't because because you have such disdain
0: for him. <laughs> I feel like yeah, oh, I went in. I went to pick my kids up the other day, and the only version of Aquaman that you like was on TV when I walked in, which is a brave and the bold oh. version of him. Yeah,
1: and I, was, uh, that version of
0: Manta is really great too.
1: Uh, that version of and actually, um, I'm really looking for. I really like the look of the uh, Jason Momoa Aquaman. I'm I, I my... really I, I really want to see underwater Conan.
0: The only yeah again but that's not Aquaman but anyway uh, the only thing that I was wearing a, um I was wearing a Hulk shirt yesterday and so I I was answering a lot of comic book questions right. uh, the, the the Target one they're selling the I'm kind of a big deal one which I feel like we should just get one for Brian Augustine <laughs> um, but uh, but he's like oh how stoked are you for that Superman Batman movie I'm like uh, not at all that might be the first one in a while I don't see and then, but the only thing that really kinda has me wanting to see it is Gal Gadot as Wonder right. Woman. Yeah, yeah. And so I think for that, I might just pretend it's a Wonder Woman movie. Um, oh, well, we'll, we'll go see. I mean, hell, we saw the Fantastic Four Yeah, we movie. have to go see fucking that god-awful punk <laughs> of shit. Oh,
1: speaking of which, number one, what went wrong? Fantastic Four, The Punisher, and the destruction of film franchises. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And with oh, that... Oh. Sorry, uh, so speaking of uh, uh, Fantastic
0: Four, I, I, saw, I heard a really good... Uh, I think it was a Marin guest they were talking about. Some, someone, some podcast. I listened to a fucking ton this weekend because I was drawing a lot. Uh, but yeah, I got a couple pinups coming out that I can tell you about um, maybe in a week or so, but they're good stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'll see when I can get permission and then tell you about it. But um, one of them was talking about the Fantastic Four movie and kind of what went wrong with it and yada yada. And this guy made a really good point that I didn't realize until he said it. He's like, the movie was just very small. It's in two locations. Right. And they barely explore either of them. Right. And I was like, yeah, fucking like, yeah, the Fantastic Four should be big. It should be cosmic. I mean, they're, they're adventure knots. I
1: mean, yeah. I big. mean, one of the locations is another dimension, but you saw like 20 square feet of another dimension. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but that makes, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, and I really, and I think that the more I think about it, they've all been small. Like all the ones that we've got so far haven't really.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they've never really gotten off of the planet.
0: Yeah. I mean, we deal with the, you know, Galactus in quotation marks. Well, yeah. But it definitely, even Surfer with his cosmic powers is just kind of deals with America. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, I, I just feel like um, you know, we need something that makes that opens our world up, that shows us there's more because that's right. kind of what they're about. They're like, yeah go
1: back to the Challengers. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of I mean, what I, what I was saying about what I really liked in the previews was yeah. that possibility of them getting back to more of their explorer roots but uh yeah, they explored 20 square feet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, even you know things like the Moleman you know,
1: I'll oh. let you know
0: there's an entire world below us that's been there That that doesn't I would I would totally watch or Fantastic
1: Four two versus the Mole into the Empire of the Moles. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I, I just feel like that uh expanding of our world is kind of what they've always been about. And again, he also made the point that I made, which was that uh they didn't feel like family and like the, right. the real Benefit of them.
1: Well, uh, and even been, I mean, when they the the, the other when you're talking about expanding the world, the other world that they explored was totally yeah. barren. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Like nothing weird, you know. So it, it's
1: not like yeah, aliens or, or cute little weird CGI creatures running around <laughs> or annihilus is annihili.
0: What it was, it was uh, it was Batman on Batman. It was oh it right, was with the uh, guy he was on uh, the black guy. Uh, fuck his name, I can't remember. Um,
1: anyway yeah. he was the one who made. He was the, the one video. who who basically was subbing in for part four of the Josh Trankin. Yeah, because Trank
0: was there because because Trank, Sh- <laughs> Trank's not gonna be anywhere for a little while. Yeah. Uh, which he you know, Smith, who's a big mouth guy, for him to be like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have fucking been that noisy. Like, yeah, I think Trank isn't doing himself any favors. No, um, you know, but he did make a good point in that whole like, you, you get no place to go but up. And I, I mean, the guy has the potential, had the potential. I like I like Chronicle a lot, you know, and, and I and I think that is an indie film. But he also, you know, he had. Uh, Max Landis writing that, so I don't right. know if he needs a good writer for, for good source material. Um, I don't know, man. I, I feel like the FF is one of those movies that should be hard to fuck up, yet everybody well, fucks it up.
1: Yeah, well, the same thing with The Punisher. The Punisher is a really simple character at heart, and yeah. they just cannot have not... Well, and I have high hopes for John Bernthal. Yeah,
0: the, the problem is, is they, they try to make him too sympathetic. This is the problem they ran into with Elon Flux, which right. is a fucking formula that... Is I mean, like, look at the Peter Chung cartoons. Like, it. I mean, we've talked about this a (laughs) whole bunch of times. It's just half-naked woman, morally ambiguous, fucking mowing people down. You know, like show dying
1: every sixty seconds. Yeah, a lot of weirdness. You know what I mean? Like, just
0: make it weird, make it violent, make her hypersexual, make her look like someone's hero, a hero to one group of people, but a terrorist to another group of people. Kind of play with. uh, Yeah, you can't.
1: You can't do ambiguity in uh, in a major motion picture.
0: Well, that's. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and I, I think that that the FF kind of needs to be a major motion picture, but Eon Flux absolutely. And no, no, The no, Punisher
1: no. could be, you know, like we. The Punisher, I think you could get away with a little yeah. more. I mean, because it's not, it's not moral ambiguity; it's yeah, more yeah. ethical. I mean, we know his heart is in the right place. It's just his uh, his methods are a little. And I mean, we've seen that. I mean, you know, yeah, talking. Yeah. We mentioned. I mentioned uh, um, Death Wish yeah, earlier. Yeah. That's mean,
0: what I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. Like, we we know how to do. Man on a Mission, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, what's the. What Dirty
1: Harry and. Uh, I mean, the 70s. What's the one? Were all about. Yeah,
0: exactly. The Michael Caine one with that oh, uh, um, Stallone remade. Uh, oh,
1: uh, get Carter. Get Carter. I just yeah. saw the original of that. That's fantastic. Yeah. The
0: fucking... I mean, we. Since the 70s, we've done Despicable Anti Hero really right. well. Just look at those. You know what I mean. Yeah. Um. And and uh, whatever comeuppance he gets or what have you. You know, like Karen Stamp in the Limey.
1: Did you ever see that? Yeah. That's
0: yeah. great. What's his name? Um. The Fonda kid is great and is so fucking creepy in that when he's just got the really young. You know, he talks about uh, how he was friends with her father. And stuff. Right. It's just like God. Oh, it's just see, it's subtlety. I think is yeah. lost. Uh, I think that. I think that movie maker, major movie makers, faith in subtlety has evaporated in this country. Right. I feel like um, the reason I like a lot of foreign cinema is uh, is the subtleties, is the foreign cinema are, and
1: indie cinema. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's you know, thank God for you know the birth of India, or the, the the surge of indie cinema, so that we're getting you know movies like Ex Machina and some yeah. of these movies that can explore some of the more moral ambiguity and gray areas that we're not going to see in uh, Pixar films
0: yeah yeah for sure
1: we should uh, we should wrap up speaking and speaking of
0: Pixar f- films uh, fucking Incredibles 2 is happening for real yep. Brad Bird at the helm yep damn <laughs> I cannot tell you that there's and speaking of shitty Fantastic Four movies there's a good Fantastic Four movie oh yeah absolutely
1: fucking perfect movie. Uh, so when you're not watching uh, shitty Fantastic Four movies uh, where can we find you uh, you can
0: find me um, not this Thursday but next Thursday at uh, Third Space doing comedy which Ooh. is the 5th I think you're up too aren't you uh, no no it's not the 5th it's the i to check I'll have, to, check. Th- I'll uh, have to ask
1: Aaron if yeah. Aaron's still talking to me I'm, I'm not going tomorrow so uh... oh
0: that's fine uh, I'll be there in, in your stead yeah. uh, and then you can also find me at jgonzodesigns.com and uh, com.
1: Uh, you can find me on the uh, on the Twitters at negative Steve or on the uh, the Tumblers negative Steve Steve hits Aquaman Got a comment on uh, this bombshells variant cover of Aquaman that came out today. Oh, uh, it's very beefcake. Beefcake. Um, and you can find us at on the on Facebook uh, at the Cult of Popture or on the web at cultofpopculture dot uh, Once again, thanks for myself and Jay, and as always. Insert catchphrase here.